This episode of Bosses for Bosses, a podcast for entrepreneurs, is sponsored by First Steps Financial and is intended for general educational purposes. It's for fun. For specific professional advice, reach out to any one of us. business, are you a David trying to make deals with Goliaths? If so, what's your slingshot? Hi, welcome back to Bosses for Bosses, a podcast for entrepreneurs. I'm Jason Meyer, the principal lawyer at Meyer Business Law in Princeton, New Jersey. In today's episode of the podcast, we're going to be talking about a blessing and curse of entrepreneurship, and that is doing business with bigger companies. But before we go any further, I want to let my co-hosts say hello. Hi, I'm Josh Iron, CEO of River Avenue Digital. And I'm Elisa McCabe, the owner at First Steps Financial. And greetings, guys. Good to be with you once again. So here's how we came up with this topic. I realized that between my times as a business owner and the work I do for clients, uh, especially as a lawyer, I am almost constantly doing business with much larger companies. I would say, fortunately for me, those larger companies are usually clients as opposed to, say, suppliers, which can really be a nightmare for an entrepreneur. But a big part of the art of what I do for clients as a lawyer is that I help them be that David against the Goliaths. But rather than trying to slay the giant, they're trying to please the giant and do it without being slayed themselves when the giant sits down uh, and, and, you know, keep the giant from sitting down on top of you. So first question is, do you know what I mean? Like any horror stories you've encountered by being the entrepreneur trying to do business with a much larger enterprise? There hasn't been a lot of, I guess, direct examples with my clients at River Avenue Digital. Um, I mean, a lot of what my clients sell are, are services and, and things like that. So we don't have a lot of clients that sell widgets. Um, but I mean, I... In my MBA program, we used to learn about this all the time, where Walmart would screw you no matter what you did. Um, and I think there's the the old um, story of, I forgot, some vacuum manufacturer um, that Walmart said, yep, we need your vacuums, but we need it with a, a eight-foot cord rather than a 10-foot cord. So now this manufacturer had to decide, okay, now we have to change our whole manufacturing structure and start doing it this way. And then um Walmart pulled the contract. So now they changed everything they did and it was it's just an explosion. But those are the horror stories that we hear all the time and it, you have to be weary about it and Now and I agree. Um it's it's such a compliment. Uh, so we have a bunch of small businesses that work with really big worldwide companies. And you you feel there's such a rush when you know Walmart or Google or someone reaches out to you and yeah, you're like, totally. Oh my God, I, I want made to the big time. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and so we have clients that provide services to these businesses. The problem is, is that their terms are really long. So they may not pay you for 60, 90. We even recently had a client that 
agreed to the terms 120 days. Now, that's a really long time. Yeah, it is. It's four months that you're not going to get paid and all the work is going to be done well before that. So it was, you have to be able to have that additional, you know, capital on hand to be able to do that and be able to afford to do that type of thing. So, um, I wouldn't say don't do it because there are situations where it's great to work with these bigger firms. They almost always have a really good, um, you know, cash flow. So you're getting paid. We have some clients that work with Tesla and Google and they get paid, you know, during the time frame that. Eventually. Know, yeah. Eventually. Right. You know, they're good for it eventually. <laughs> yeah. I, I have. Um, and the funny thing is this sort of David to Goliath can work at all kinds of levels. I, I did legal work for a very large manufacturing company that was a supplier to um, Intel. And it's like every time we tried to discuss the contract and there was some term that my client needed, I got a 10-minute lecture from Intel about how they were, you know, they were the living embodiment of Moore's Law and everything they did was to serve that value. And, uh, you know, um, you know, but but more frequently I've had clients in that situation, Elisa, where they feel like they got their big break. Like yeah. I had a client call me. It's like it finally happened, this big retailer wants to carry our product. I won't name the retailer, but they were a drugstore chain that starts with a W. And um, <laughs> and they said, you know, we were just going to sign it because it, it's their standard agreement and it's not very long. We were just going to sign it, but I guess you should look at it. It's like, well, you guessed right. And I read it. It was like six-point type, two columns, you know. Just, and, and it was exactly what you said, Elisa, which was included terms that were um, – your supplier, we will pay you for the, we're going to take your product and mm-hmm. put it on our shelves. You have to give us whatever we ask for in 30 days. We're going to put it on our shelves. We'll pay you within 60 days of when we sell it. Wow. And by the way, if we don't sell it in 120 days, we're shipping it back to you and charging you a 30% restocking fee. Oh. Can I said, you? I said, so now- guys, you understand what this contract means. Do you know what the worst thing in the world will you, for you will be? It will be if this retailer says we want a million units yeah. because you will have to produce those million units right away and you will not be paid for them for months, if ever. And do you have the cash flow to handle that? And that's and that's exactly it. So I have a question for you, Jason. Yeah. Can you can you negotiate the contract with a Goliath? Yeah, you can. Like being a David, can you can you can you work with them and say, you know, um, can't do a 120, you know, uh, payment schedule. Can we work out something different? Have you had any experience or success negotiating with these bigger companies? Or is there so many people waiting? Like as a business owner, are you concerned? There's six people just like you waiting in line to go work with these bigger companies. You know, it's, it's like, I I wouldn't have a career for a lawyer as a lawyer if I didn't have success doing that. I think that it's, it's, it's eminently possible to have success. I think a lot of that success comes from having a lawyer. I think a lot of that success comes from having a lawyer who's really keen to your business model and to the business needs of the other side. And, and let's, let's do it this way. Let's talk about sort of big strategies here for a minute. And then maybe for our boss moves later on, we could talk about some some favorite tactics. So let me let me start with strategies to answer your question, Elisa, and then I'd love to hear what strategies you guys have used. Um, 
on the strategic level, part of it is knowing your value and playing to your value. And and in some ways, this is the same as like when you get a job, a really good employer, and it's like, well, I don't want to negotiate because I'm afraid they're going to take it away. It's like, no, they already made the decision that you got it. Might they walk away? Sure, they might, but you you can ask the question. It's unlikely you're going to ask a question and the answer will be not only, no, we can't do that, but since you asked, we're going to tell you to kiss off, right? You've got the chance to negotiate. And I think what you have to do walking in is know your risk profile and pick your battles. And as you pick your battles, listen closely to the other side for what their requirements are and meet those requirements and look for an end around. In other words, be entrepreneurial about the way you deal with those negotiations. Do what entrepreneurs do, find the solution. And, and you know, I've, I've had lots of times where I've heard from a big company, like these are the things we can't give on. Everybody has to do it this way. We have to know that everybody we're doing business with has to do it this way. And that's a fair argument. So you look for the other places where you can gain ground. Um, payment terms, might be one of them. Um, time to supply might be one of them. Uh, certainly, ins- uh, you know, insurance levels. Like you're going to get standard contracts. It's like you know, you need to have five million dollars of umbrella <laughs> coverage. It's like, yeah, guys, no, right? There are things you can get changed. But that's got to be hard for an entrepreneur who does see it as their big break, though, right? There, and and. As their as their counsel and as their lawyer, it must be challenging for you, Jason, to have to have those conversations and say we might have to walk away from this because there's a chance you can get screwed. Well, and there's there's an art to it. I mean, I, I was I was general counsel for seven years for a company that sold uh, software as a service to much bigger companies to to big pharma, and um, I never and I realized I was the closer because I was the last person negotiating deal. And in seven years, I never lost a deal for the company. But I also never crossed the line for what our predefined risk profile was. But that required a lot of, you know, it required a lot of finesse in negotiation. And I think the main point is you're, there's a point where the entrepreneur can be super powerful in those negotiations and just speak up and say, look, you came to me for this reason. You know that I stand for this. You know that you get this unique value from me. I just can't live with this. We got to find a middle ground, um, but for a lot of the time, you need you need the expert of a decent lawyer who knows what they're reading and, and what don't it means. You, don't you think that? And and Josh, you might feel this way too. Don't you think you always have to go into any negotiation ready to walk away, like be already have your mindset? Be, and and I think that's incredibly hard when there's this national brand in front of you, and it so. It's so enticing to want to want to work with them and want to and you want to give up everything to go. It's like a bad boyfriend. And this is the power of drawing your lines ahead of time when there isn't emotion involved in it. And you're not thinking about how am I going to make payroll in two months if I don't close this deal? You've already decided ahead of time. These are the lines I don't cross. This is how far I can go. And these are the lines I don't cross. And frankly, that's a pretty powerful negotiating level to take is to say, look, I hear what you're saying. We have a risk profile. I can't cross it. You need to find a way for me to help you out without me crossing that line because I have investors or directors or my wife to report to. um, And I can't cross that line. And Jason, I like how you you have it planned out before you go in about, okay, what, what exactly is my risk 
my risk takers? Like how, how, yeah, how can I go and, and how much cash do I have on hand? How much can I float? It really requires to go back and look at your financials and see where's the wiggle room there. And then, you know, get someone to be involved in the, the strategy and the legal side of it about what the contract is. And then, you know, what happens then? You know, I mean, look at, look at, I I always think of the NASA example and even NASA has failed on this a couple of tragic times, but you know, the whole thing about launch protocols for NASA are they decide, you know, weeks before the launch, these are the parameters we can accept and this is where we can't accept it. And they decide that in advance because of the knowledge that when it comes to launch day and the clock is moving and the TV cameras are on and everything else, the last thing you want to do is say, abort the launch, right? Oh. Stop, stop the count, right? That but if you, if you oh. drew that line ahead of time, it becomes an easier decision. It's like we decided in advance we were going to do it, so let's do it. Um, and, and, you know, even NASA has crossed those lines to its peril. Let's take a quick break and hear from our sponsor, and then we'll be back with some tactical boss moves of the week about dealing with bigger companies. Hi, I hope you're enjoying Bosses for Bosses. It's Elisa McCabe here, the owner at First Steps Financial. I wanted to let you know a little bit about my company and what services we provide for small business owners just like you. We can help you organize your financials, streamline all your processes, using the latest apps, and gain insight into your business. Everyone on my team is QuickBooks Online Advanced Certified, which means that we can understand your QuickBooks Online file and can help you make entries, reconciliations, invoicing, and bill paying to help run your business smoother. We also provide cleanup service for your QuickBooks Online file or help you convert from your QuickBooks desktop file. You already have a bookkeeper? No problem. We can provide support as a controller or CFO for you and your bookkeeper. Our goal is to help you achieve success by gaining control over your business and being able to make pivotal decisions quickly because you have really good financial information that you understand. If you'd like to learn more, you can reach out to me, Alisa, at firststepsfinancial.com, or you can go visit our website at firststepsfinancial.com. So we always end the podcast with the boss moves of the week. And as we talk about doing business with bigger companies, to me, a boss move is something you can do to level the playing field. So let's hear from each of you uh, in a few sentences. What's your boss move tactic for working with bigger businesses? Josh, you want to start off? Yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm going to bring it back to something that I, I learned today is set my risk profile and make sure that I stick to it and do that now-ish. <laughs> <laughs> it is. I love that, that having a plan ahead of time. Uh, mine is confirm your terms and make sure that um, you know what you need to do on your side. If it is 60 days, 90 days, 120 days, how much additional capital do you require to do that? And make, do sure you, you, make sure you understand what's asked of you. And, and yeah. do you want to do that? Mm-hmm. And there has to be some part of it that you need to decide, do I want to be involved in this and go to this risk level? That's great. All right. I'm going to share with you a couple of, a couple of grandmaster uh, 
explore your chest moves here. Um, so, so one of my favorite ones is what I refer to as the the rider gambit, um, which is so. What you always hear from companies like this, you frequently hear is, "Look, you have to use our contract, and we can't make any changes." If you want to do business with us, like we're going to send you a contract, you have to use it, can't make changes. And what I've learned often works is to say, yep, sure, I understand that. That's no problem. But, you know, there's some things about my business that I know your standard contract won't match to because we're a consulting company, because we're a whatever. It doesn't matter. But you just say, I know there's some specifics about the way we do business that won't match your standard language. So I'm just going to attach an explanatory writer and you guys can make sure that's okay. And then in the writer... And then the writer that I put together basically says, hey, that whole contract that came before, ignore that on these four points. This is what we're going to do. I like and that, that works because they just like, OK, yeah, sure. They signed our contract and there's this explanatory writer and it'd be shocked how many times that happens. There's also a click through variation, which is if you sign a piece of paper first, but then you send all their users through your website's click through agreement. Uh, your click-through agreement probably governs the deal, not what you signed in paper. And that is one that I've seen big companies miss time after time. All right. So you want you want to hear more? Um, you know who to call. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, this is, this is to me, you know this what? is part of the, yeah, what? It makes me feel better having this discussion because if I was approached by a, you know, a, a bigger company, um, you know, I definitely, I actually didn't realize how much negotiation I was able to do on my side. And that's really good because I always feel as though as if, if there's a bigger company and they've, you know, have more market share that I have to do things their way and knowing that I don't have to, that there is some, some wiggle room in that negotiation that we can at least ask for. That's really comforting to know. There usually is. And I actually, I'm going to throw in one more boss move now that you took from Amy of it, which isn't about contract law, which is LinkedIn. It's like, who do you know at that company? Or who do you know that knows somebody at that company? Get to a person who might be able to get you some slack cut and drop names. Uh, And because no matter who that is, is dealing with you, they still have a boss. And they still care about their relationship with their boss. Mm. And maybe you can use that. So, hey, lots of lots of challenges here mm-hmm. in dealing with bigger businesses. But also, you know, that's part of the fun of being an entrepreneur uh, is to be the giant slayer. Uh, and I hope we uh, I hope we gave you the slingshot that we promised you. That's our episode. Thanks so much for joining us. Don't forget to please rate and review Bosses as a podcast and share it with a friend. And, hey, we'll talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to Bosses for Bosses, a production of Smart Boss Media. We'd love to hear from you, and we'd like even more to help your business grow. If you have any questions or want to contact any of the folks on this podcast, you can email us at info at smartboss.media. Also at smartboss.media, you'll find any resources and links that go along with this podcast. And you can find links to other podcasts and resources for entrepreneurs and learn how Smart Boss Media can help you get your business podcast launched and listened to, like this one is. It's your one stop for information to help you listen, create, and thrive as an entrepreneur. Visit smartboss.media 